You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Hello, villagers! Happy Tuesday, you guys! It is the beginning of another week. It's the beginning of Unleashed Potential. It is the beginning of a reset button. It is the beginning of whatever. Insert whatever you need right there. What do you need right now? Do a little check-in. Ding, mental health check-in. What's your body telling you that you need? What's your mind telling you that you feel? Check in with yourself physically and emotionally and mentally. When's the last time that you've eaten or taken a sip of water? And not just a sip, actually sat down to drink some water. Take care of your body. When's the last time you put fruits and vegetables in your body? Be mindful of what you're eating. Happy Tuesday, guys. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for showing up for me and showing up for you. In turn, you're showing up for everybody else in your family, in your circle. This includes like your coworkers, your kids, anybody you come in contact with every day, your employees, your pets, your neighbors. You're just showing up fully for these people. So thank you. Thanks for putting back into your cup. So many times I see people not refilling their cup. And you know what? I can't help you. If you do not see your own worth and you do not put back in your own cup because you believe you're worth it, nobody can help you. Nobody will be able to change your mind. Only you can do that. So if you're sitting there thinking, Dagnabbit, I need to put back into myself, well then put some freaking action behind it. Honestly, I'm tired of hearing people's excuses and that's really just the bottom line. It really, really is. If you're sitting there thinking, I need to put back into myself, I need to put back into myself, and then you don't do it, you have nobody to blame but yourself. And, you know, I have a really hard time feeling sorry for you because you realize it. You just won't take the steps necessary to get there. And, yeah, I just have a hard time with that. I'm sorry if that's you and you're like, ouch, that hurt. Yeah, things hurt in life sometimes. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry for saying it. I'm sorry that it hurts you. I'm happy to help you get to a place where it doesn't hurt you. I also want to get to a place where you stand up and you're like, hell yeah, I actually am worth an eight-hour retreat day. I actually am worth a massage a month. I actually am worth meditating 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night. I actually am worth hiring someone at least once a week to come to my house to give me eight hours of solid sleep. I am worth this. I am worth that. You have to make that choice, though. So, that's where I stand on that. Make excuses if you want, but... Don't come knocking on my door for pity. Um, I'll certainly help you. You can knock on my door for help and support and even a hug, a gentle embrace. I'm happy to be gentle with you, but pity? No, you won't find that here, unfortunately, but there are plenty of people out there who are ready to enable you. You won't have to look very far, I promise. All right, guys. Happy Tuesday. Did you catch the amazing announcement on episode 100? Did you? What'd you think? I want to hear what your thoughts are. I also want to hear 
What do you want to see in the portal? I want to hear, are you going to sign up? Are you so excited? I'm totally stoked. Everyone who's already in there is like, this is mind-blowing. It is really all the files that we have. And we're just continuously pumping things out for you. So it just gets better and better. And you'll be locked in at this price for ever. That is just like so sweet to hear. I took all the things that I didn't like about membership sites and I basically built that membership site. So <laughs> it's so nice for me to be able to say like you're locked in forever. Does that mean 10 years, 5 years, 2 years? It doesn't matter to me. You are locked in at that price as long as you never cancel your membership and you get to continuously absorb this TBH knowledge. It is incredible. It will totally, totally, totally unwarp your mind. So I think that our minds around birth are really warped. I think that we have a super warped um like view on birth, like what do we expect, what we think is natural, what we think is normal, what we think is common, what we expect. I already say that. Everyone's expectations are so skewed. So I just think it's so warped. I'm aiming to unwarp your mindset around birth and having babies and motherhood and all of that. So yeah, it just goes back to like, are you worth it though? Like, do you believe that you're worth it right now? It's $22. Do you know what? $22. You can't even fill up your car for $22. Like, what can you do for $22? That's like five or six lattes, right? If you went five or six days drinking coffee at home and not buying it, you would have the money for literally all of the TBH files. Again, how much are you worth? I should make a, I should make a, a wrap. How much are you worth? How much are you worth? Hey, how much are you worth? How much are you worth? Hey, would you guys listen to it? Maybe. Maybe so. All right, guys, I'm ready to get this episode started because I am super excited about this episode, too. There's so much going on in the TBH nation. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. All right. Welcome to episode 101 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast. Today we are diving into choosing child care for first-time parents. So, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-time parents, the Duggars, you guys, you kind of know what you are expecting. You also kind of know what you want. You know what you'll put up with. And if something comes that you won't put up with it, you usually have learned by your second, third, fourth child that you know, how to stand up for yourself, how to make your voice known in a, a child care setting. But for first-time parents, it's actually a, it's a lot harder than that. It's um, It can be really difficult for first-time parents to navigate that space. Some people don't speak up at all. And from a parent's perspective, that's not good, right? Because you guys want to be heard. And then from a teacher's perspective, which is what I can offer you, that's not good because we want you to be heard. <laughs> we want it to be a collaborative thing. And so it is important that you voice your opinion. However, you don't want to be super aggressive because at the end of the day, um, that is your teacher's classroom. You don't run that classroom. You're not a teacher in that child care facility. And if you are, you're not that classroom's teacher or you would be making the rules. Otherwise, collaboration not a, a dictatorship right so you can't come in and like take over the classroom there are other children to take into account and your teachers do not should not and cannot share the stuff that other families share with them with you and so you never know what kind of um, puzzle pieces are at play here so be really careful when you are approaching uh, your teachers. Make sure that you're asking questions so that you understand what's actually happening in the in the classroom instead of assuming because we all know what happens when you do that. It makes an ass out of you and me and yeah, we don't want that. Again, we have a year together. We really want this to be a collaboration. I am deep friends with some of the parents that are in my past classes. I still talk to them today even though their their child might have been in my class six seven eight years ago it is fun to watch these kids grow up and to have these relationships and it starts in the classroom because you share this common ground of this love for this child because at school 
I am that child's school mama, right? I am their mama bear. I protect them. I look after them. I am making sure that they're being kind, but also people are being kind to them, that they're getting what they need, that they're getting more than they need, that they're being respected too and talked to in a gentle way and explained things to and just reacted to with love and kindness and understanding and hey, you're a tiny human and we love you and we expect that you make mistakes because that means you're trying and that means you're learning and what else can we ask from our tiny humans? Right? Like, we just have to think about that when we're all working together. So we are all on the same team. I, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but I promise you there will be more pieces at play probably than than you think. And And you know, my birth clients hear this all the time. Just be careful assuming what you think you know to be true because it could very often not be true, right? Now, I know that I come to this subject quite biased, um, and so I wanted to get wanted to get somebody that not only I trusted and I believed in their child care center, um, but also somebody who was an admin, so somebody who could kind of play devil's advocate um, against me. Not so much against me, but that we just had different viewpoints, right? And I, I try throughout this episode, you will see, to bring it back to well, as a parent's perspective. Um, so pay attention to this. These are very different perspectives, but today, I have on a friend of mine, Hannah Riddle de Rojas, and she's the president of Soul Bee Learning here in Boston. Now, I visited Soul Bee a few months ago, and wowzer, like literally it blows my mind. It reminds me so much of my home at the University of Alabama, which unfortunately set the bar so high for me because I thought every place was going to be the University of Alabama, and the the sad reality is it's not. There is a lot of neglect and abuse that happens in child care settings, not necessarily intentional, um, but certainly preventable and avoidable. Um, It just all goes back to quality of education of your teachers and quality of, you know, the caring between your admin and the teachers. Do your admin care about your teachers? That means they also care about the students. If your admin only cares about that bottom line, that money, you are looking at, whoo, you are looking at not the greatest care. You know, I'm not going to make sweeping, um, judgments any more than like I do believe that if your admin is only concerned about the bottom line that you will not receive quality education because you won't be attracting the teachers that can give quality education and I have seen both sides. So Hannah, I invited her here because not only am I blown away by this super innovative Spanish immersion early education center, but Hannah has experience as a preschool educator, a center director, and adjunct faculty. Hannah earned her master's degree in adult ESL education at Hamline University and has a BS in child psychology and a BA in Spanish studies from the University of Minnesota. And Hannah, for me, really struck me with the language that she was using when I toured Solby and I'm super excited to share this with you because she gets all angles. You will hear her mention that she is newly pregnant. Congratulations, Hannah. And it now, um, it has given her a new perspective because she's now on the other side. And so Hannah is very unique that she has this parent perspective. She has this educator perspective and she also has this director perspective. And she also is very realistic in her expectations, but understands the severity of choosing good educators. And for me, I think that is often the missing link in childcare, right? So Hannah, welcome to the show. Hi, Hehe. Hi, everybody. It's so great to be here. I can't wait to talk about these topics. I am so excited to, this is an episode that I put off for so long because I feel like it is so deep. It's something that every single parent will encounter, right? Right. Unless you're lucky enough that you get to stay home with your children, which is not a very big population of people, you will have to go through this. 
this like forest, I think is kind of something there is a clearing on the other end, but you do have to kind of walk through this like scary snow white forest, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to have you here before we dive into all of this child care stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also Soul V? Our listeners have seen me rant about it on Instagram, um, how much I love you guys. And I got a sneak peek. So if you're not following me on Instagram, head over there. You can find us at, at Tranquility by Hehe. But I talk about Soul V in my stories. And yeah, I'm, I'm really expecting you guys to have your mind blown. So Hannah, about you and Soul V. Thanks, Hehe. We love your raves, by the way. I feel like it's such a badge of honor when another early ed professional walks into the program and is like, you're on point. That feels so good. Um, so a little bit about me. I am a Minnesotan married to a Venezuelan. And so bilingual, you'll notice Solby is a bilingual program um, for many reasons, but that's one that's especially near and dear to my heart. Um, we speak Spanish at home, so that's uh, important to us. And I worked in early ed. Well, I've been working in early ed for about eight years now. So as a director, as an adjunct faculty, as a preschool teacher, um, I also do trainings for early ed professionals. So that's like continuing education hours. Um, and really, this work is so critical and important. And it's near and dear to my heart because educators have such a huge impact on the lives of children ultimately. And so my, after working in the field for a few years, I thought, wow, no one's really considering educators and their experience. And if you don't have a full cup, you can't pour from your cup, right? So this idea of like educators are so taxed that it's challenging for them to be able to really give to children, which is where Solby came from. We're reimagining what it means to be an educator, what it means to be working in Childcare and nursery schools, right? Uh, so we really aim to create high quality learning experiences through the Reggio Emilia approach. We're heavily influenced by that uh, philosophy and we are also Spanish immersion. We include food and then we include all the supplies for parents because let's face it, who wants to like remember to bring diaper cream to childcare? <laughs> no worries, we got you covered, it's all included. So that's a little bit about me and Solby. <laughs> You are going to make me cry because this is what I see the future of childcare being like. This is, this is it. And, and honestly, not having this is why I left childcare. Mm -hmm. And I went through a long period of feeling really guilty because I thought, well, who is going to fight this fight if I don't fight it? And you you're going to fight it for me. And We're gonna, yeah. <laughs> because I'm fighting all the things in the birth world. And oh my goodness, I'm super excited for this conversation because it is so, so, so important. So Hannah, thank you for doing this. Thank you for oh reinventing what childcare looks like and especially caring about your employees and your teachers because they do make all the difference. 100% agree. Let's start with the basics. When we're talking about Child Care 101, what should parents need to know about when to start um, or when they're starting to quote unquote shop for schools? What are like the basic top three to five things that they should right off the bat know? This is so important because when you walk into a program, there are so many things to look at, right? There's so much to take into consideration. For me, number one is how are the educators? Are people overall, like, is there a happy, positive vibe? Not in a false way, but like in a, I'm doing this work and this is really speaking to me and I don't have to put on a fake face. I, I wouldn't look for fake happiness. I'd look for how are people's stress levels, right? Like is an environment where it's comfortable. Um, another thing that's important for me when I'm considering childcare and even running my own program is the type of materials that are chosen. Are they safe? Do they, are they sustainable? Um, do you see a lot of the same materials or kind of traditional childcare? Like, do you only see Legos or are there kind of wooden blocks? Are there other materials available? That's important for me as well. And then I would also ask about qualifications for educators during that point too. 
uh, those top three things. I'd say how the educators are doing and the children, of course, materials, and then looking at their qualifications and just making sure that they're in compliance. One thing, and you know, I, I mentioned this in the intro that I do have a little bit of bias, but for me, it was always dependent on, do those teachers look like they are easily interacting with your child? Are they a natural at interacting with your child? You do not want to see teachers that are forced or that don't look like they really understand children or they maybe don't understand child development. Maybe you see someone holding a child in a wrong way. That is huge. These people are going to be around your child so much. Hannah, you mentioned that we have huge impacts. We do because we spend so much time with your kid five days a week all day long while you are making a living to provide for your family, but we are with your family so much. And so you want people who have a deep understanding of not only your child's physical development, but their emotional development, their expectations, what's appropriate for that. So yes, qualifications are, are really huge. And, and just the overall demeanor of the educators. I love that. So nice. When should expectant parents start looking and when should they start to get their names on enrollment lists? This is hard because a lot of enrollment lists are years long, but we're only pregnant for nine months. So this is the confusing <laughs> cycle that I think a lot of parents get stuck in. Mm -hmm. What kind of timeline is appropriate slash what can we realistically be expecting? That's so true. This is this is tricky. And even thinking in my response for this to this question, now being pregnant myself, <laughs> luckily I run a program, so there's a different need for me to consider. But um, I would say start looking sooner rather than later. Once you feel comfortable in in your pregnancy and know that okay, everything's going well, I'm gonna start looking get an idea for infant spots. Like you mentioned, he, he, so many programs have really long waiting lists. And so I'm hesitant to say, put your name on all the lists because some programs charge to be on a list. And so I think that to me would, I mean, don't go at, you know, 20 weeks pregnant and pay thousands of dollars to be on waiting lists unless that's okay with you. Right. Um, so I think there's a balance there. So if they're requiring a payment on a waiting list, you kind of have to decide for yourself is that, where I want to invest money. Um, other programs though, it doesn't cost anything to put your name on the list. And in that case, if the program seems to jive, I, there might not be any harm in putting your name down. Um, but at, I mean, essentially it's a start, I would personally start as soon as possible, find my top candidates for programs and then tour them and then decide based on whether or not they're charging me to be on the lists because there's no guarantee. And that that's challenging. So let's talk about that for a second. What should we know about um, being charged to be put on list? Is this, um, it feels a little scammy to me. What do you think from an admin position? Is that something that, um, you know, very well known and prestigious programs do? Or is it somewhat of a red flag? That's a great question. In my experience, I've seen both programs that are really, like to your point, prestigious. That's a good word for it, right? Like very prestigious do it. I've also seen some other more common options for childcare do this kind of thing. For me, it, it is scammy. As a business owner in this field, no, you do not need to pay us to put your name on the wait list. That to me is, I have ethical issues with that, um, but because I can't guarantee a space. It'd be different if we're saying, hey, this is going to go towards your tuition when you enroll and then I'll let you know. But I'm not seeing that happen as frequently. And so I, I have a hard time with that, if I'm honest. For um, sure. And from someone who's been on the inside and you're on the inside now, there's not a lot of money. So if mm -hmm. it is a program that it looks like maybe they're barely making ends meet, sure, this could be a stream of income for them. This might be a way of them that might be pushing them over to getting that next swing set in two years, right? So be mindful of that. If it looks like it's a program that they are just penny and dollaring you and nickeling and diamond you to death and they are really really profiting from it, 
then be weary. But if it looks like a program who honestly is taking that money and putting it back into the children, that might, that might be a game changer for you. So cool. Yeah, for me too. That's a good point. Interesting thoughts. Yeah. So what are some questions that parents may want to ask when they're interviewing child care options? Um, we talked a little bit about how are your teachers and the materials and the qualifications. What about specific questions that you um, get as an administration, as an administrator that might be good questions that you're thinking, wow, these parents have done their due diligence. Wow. These parents really know what they're looking for. Um, what kind of questions are parents, should they be asking? We are doing so many tours right now, and I have been so overwhelmed with the thoughtfulness of so many questions of the parents, which is so refreshing. I mean, to be put on the spot and really have to defend, and not even defend, but educate on how you do things is really rich um, as an educator and as you know, an administrator. And so it's, it's wonderful that people are thinking about more questions than just what's the schedule or do you have food? Although do ask about the food situation because that can be something that if you have to bring food, you might want to consider. Um, or if you're paying extra for food, you'd want to budget for it. Uh, other questions that I think are really impressive, when parents ask about how we handle or redirect behavior, right? Ask that question, know that. Because if you have really strong feelings about how you want your toddler redirected, you're going to want to make sure that the program's on the same philosophy or close enough where there can be some negotiation and communication about it. Uh, another question that parents have asked us lately is around how we handle food allergies and how we handle mealtimes. Mealtime can be a really rich experience or it can be a kind of a disaster of, you know, shushing children, getting them to eat and then rushing through the experience. Um, so those kind of routine elements of the day, less about the schedule and what time things are happening, but the how, asking questions about how things are done and understanding that in the tour process will really help you know what's going to fit well with your family. I agree with that. I um, obviously have a few questions of my own. I always encourage people to ask about the ratios. So here's the thing, guys. Your teachers will probably be more experienced in handling more children than your typical family. So yes, we have experience with four, five, six, seven children. Is that sustainable with one person? No. Is it sustainable with two people? No. If you're going to have more children, you have to have more adults. It is just safe. And you want to think if you were taking these children, if you were taking all the neighborhood children, to the park, how many parents and chaperones would you ask to go with you? Now you have to translate that to every single thing that happens during the day, putting all of those seven, 10, 12, 18 kids down for a nap, feeding all of those children, diapering and bathrooming all of those kids, getting those kids dressed to go outside and undressed, whether that's bathing suits or snow gear. You guys, mm -hmm. you have to consider ratios. Number two, I always think about the teachers as well. I want to know how long are they staying with you? If you have a huge turnover from someone on the inside, I pretty much would end my interview with you right there. If you are not taking care of your teachers and your teachers are not in the mental capacity to take care of your kids because they're in fight or flight, right? They're either feeling like they're not making enough money or they're feeling like they're not being able to have enough freedom to do their job or they're feeling undervalued or you have to take care of your teachers. So you want to know what their retention rate is. Agree. I always want to know, how are your teachers communicating to you? So some will communicate with you by text. Some will communicate with you by an app. Some will do it via pictures, but there's no words or descriptions and you just get something verbally at the end of the day. Sometimes it's by email. Um, sometimes it's a login portal. There are so many ways. You want to make sure that it's something that works for you. If you are communicating through a Facebook page, which is totally a thing that, that they do, and you're not allowed to be on Facebook during the day for your work, 
that doesn't exactly work. How will you do that? Is checking in on your lunch break via your phone on the Facebook page enough for you? Or, I mean, I hate to say like that's a deal breaker, but it's something to certainly consider, especially if this is your first baby that you're putting into childcare. Number four, and kind of the final one for me to add to Hannah's is their philosophy. So you want to know about their philosophy. And for me, this will give you an insight to how they redirect behaviors and their discipline, but also their curriculum and how do they structure free play because it because it is extremely important to have unstructured free play, quote unquote. It's structured, but probably in a way different way than what you would think um, it might look like. So yeah, those are my questions that I always encourage people to ask um, when our villagers are looking for, for daycare, for childcare options. Yeah, those are excellent questions to add to your list for sure. So now that we have all these really great questions to ask, can we talk about a few red flags that you might observe? So it's not always what um, you hear and what you ask and the answers that you get back. Sometimes it's things that you might just see. What are some red flags for you, Hannah? Absolutely, yeah. Be a very astute observer on tours because <laughs> a lot of the responses that you'll get, you can get in other places too like the handbook or some of the other materials that you'll see printed, but you're only going to get a chance to experience that environment while you're touring, right? Uh, one thing that I look for is how the administration interacts and talks to educators. You want educators and admin, there is a power dynamic there in terms of responsibility, but they're also colleagues. And if educators aren't given enough autonomy and enough independence, that's a sign that there might be some turnover issues. So I would look for how admin talks to educators for sure. Um, I'd also look for the teacher or the educators and their interactions with children. Are they understanding? Are they showing compassion? Or are they grabbing things out of toddlers' hands and putting them away because the toddler didn't do it fast enough? Um, how are we getting ready to go? You might watch a transition, right? So they might be going outside. How are they getting ready to do that? Is it total chaos or is there some type of, you know, here's the expectation. I'm going to give you a chance to figure it out and then I'll help, right? Like, what are you seeing? And another red flag for me too is whether or not the environment's clean. And of course, creating some space for the idea that even when I was an educator, I tried to keep my classroom as clean as possible. And sometimes it's just not possible to have everything tidy, but when you look at clean too, are there stains on the floor? Are the toys in good repair? Are we seeing materials that are really damaged or perhaps unsafe? I would definitely look at those things as a marker uh, for what is being prioritized in that program. I love that. I always look for clean ch uh, children too. Um, Ooh, good. It's just not hard to wipe down kiddos. And I'm not talking about like spick and span. Every two-year-old should be in white from head to toe and nothing on them. But they certainly shouldn't have this morning's yogurt on their face at a 2 p.m. tour. Um, even if it's from lunch, that means they've had a nap and they slept like that? Question mark? Um, no, thanks. I always <laughs> do look for cell phones in the room. So are your teachers on the cell phones? When you walked in that room, did it look like people were scrambling, like they maybe weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing? And now that there's eyes in the room, they know that they need to tighten up the ship. Finally, for me, I always ask about an open door policy. And you might be able to get this question without flat out asking, um, do you have an open door policy? But you want to make sure that your child care option allows you to drop in no matter when mm -hmm. to see your kiddo. Does that mean that you get to go into the room? Maybe not. It depends on what that room looks like. So from an educator standpoint, I will tell you, you can't just barge into our classrooms at any time, no matter how old your kiddo is. But if it's appropriate, you're more than welcome to stop by. But at all times, you should be able to put eyes on your children and stop by and get attention from an adult that also is involved in your child's care. Um, open door policy for me is huge. And if they say that you can't do that, I would turn around and march right out. What are they hiding? Why can't you just stop by? That is my honest to God 
that is my honest reaction. What are you hiding? Right. I agree. I think an open door policy. I really appreciate too the yes. While we definitely want parents to come check in on children from an educator perspective, when your child is like right in the middle of stranger danger development phase, oh my goodness, seeing you and then you leaving, oh, it just gets to be kind of hard, but you're right. Like what, what is the way that you get to check in, right? And come say hi or take a peek. So for me, a little bit about it is putting your, your pride aside and really understanding what's best for your kid and supporting that babe because it may not be worth a hug if you're going to leave your baby upset for 30 minutes only to have, you know, a really horrible emotional experience because you disrupted their day to give them a hug. You know, certainly come and lay eyes on your babe, but really consider the ripple effect, you know, what will happen after you get that hug or their kiss. And maybe you come at nap time and you gently give them a kiss while they're snoozing. I'm sure your teachers will be happy to let you know when they're asleep and when you can come. We're not trying to keep away from your baby. We promise we are trying to support them emotionally 100% though. Accurate. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's talk about um, skill level of educators and teachers. So I think a lot of people would be very surprised to hear, um, in my opinion, the lack of education and required education from childcare providers in America, at least. What's your opinion on this? Slash, where do you find highly educated people who really understand child development and all the things that it takes to properly support a child in early education? This question, I feel like could be its own like two hour long episode for sure. So I'll try to be brief, um, but it is, it is a question that actually the field itself is figuring out, right? Like we haven't as a professional field really established what this means or how we're working through. There are ideas and of course programs set to help educators get the necessary skills and I'd say even dispositions too. So for me, when I think about skill level, skills absolutely important, but lots of skills can be acquired. Whereas I think there's something about the type of people that do this work well. And I'm talking about personality traits, right? So at Solby, we're looking for people who are grounded and down to earth. If you can't have a back and forth dialogue about your practice as an educator, it's not gonna work because we are always growing and learning, right? We have to be able to receive feedback. And there are some people who do that really well. And then there's others who their temperament as a person just doesn't lend itself to that. So there's, it's this balance for us between, yes, you can get a degree, right? But the piece of paper doesn't make you a talented or a appropriate educator. So we at Solby, our big pieces, Come in with the dispositions. We often find people who are qualified as well, which is wonderful. But if we do meet people that aren't qualified yet, but they have the right skills, not skill set, they have the right personality characteristics and they're willing to learn, we'll put them through the necessary channels for them to get the knowledge. So I think that's a good question too to ask, like how do you support staff in the program? Because that's huge. And this is, it's a practice. So much like doctors are practicing medicine, educators have an education practice. And we're trying to recognize that in our field in general, but it's hard. It takes a lot of time and a lot of in investment from the program to really achieve that. You're totally right. We chatted a little bit about this uh, before we hopped on, but I absolutely love all of that. I couldn't agree more. I also love the fact that you talked about that we are practicing an education, you know, practice as well. It's true because we're always having to learn how to encounter and support and interact with other humans, whether that be coworkers and parents. I mean, every year your parents in your class change. Every year the children in your class change. All of these humans will have different traits and characteristics and behavioral things and different quirks and just ways that they work and that they receive and that they give. And you as a teacher, you're the center pole for that. And you are responsible for being able to absorb all of those people 
it is heavy work, you guys. It's really heavy. It is. I agree. It requires a certain amount of self-care, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely, which is a pillar here. I mean, it's one of our foundations is self-care. And so I think as teachers, you're totally right. We have to, yeah, we have to take care of ourselves for sure. So and parents should know. Parents should know how programs are supporting that, right? How are you? So I couldn't agree more about that too. And you touched on a little bit about um, the autonomy. You know, if admin are not given their teachers the freedom to do their classroom somewhat as they please. Now, of course you need structure and you want continuity in the care so that the children, you know, seem safe and they, they know what to expect because kids right. thrive on continuity. But within each individual classroom, it is nice for the kids to have individual experiences each different year. And it's nice to give your teachers the freedom to do what they want with their classroom and the freedom of expression. Um, you know, if you think about it, that's what public school is going to be like. So it's rather silly to think that every single you know, childcare class below kindergarten should be cookie cutter. Um, it sets your child up for not awesome success because we haven't done the, the greatest job in their foundation, but also it really robs them of a lot of creativity and exposure to so much other humans, how to interact with people, different teachers, different classmates. Um, you wouldn't want cookie cutter, cookie cutter stuff. You just wouldn't want it. No. Staying in the same line with that, I want to move a little bit into the cost of child care. And you are going to be sitting on one end of the spectrum, and our listeners are on the other end of the spectrum. And I'm kind of here in the middle. I, I know your side of the spectrum, but I will also one day be on the spectrum side of our listeners. So this is going to be an interesting talk. The cost in childcare is only rising. And for many families, they find themselves being like, WTF, I can't afford this. How are we going to put our child in childcare, much less have more children and have them in childcare? So from an insider's perspective, let's chat money. Where is the cost of childcare going? Is it only going to continue to rise? Slash, where does that money go? Slash, what can parents realistically be expecting to get quality childcare? Because listeners, I can tell you, cheapest is not the best when it comes to childcare. Actually, I really caution you to go where the money isn't because that also is going to be where the care and the quality curriculum isn't as well. Right. This is another one of those topics that is just so hairy. It is because we're looking at work that's so labor heavy, right? Caring for children at the ratios that the states have set or accreditation standards, right? Because there's kind of two levels depending on what programs are trying to meet. It's, it's a lot. It can be a lot to offer quality infant care if for every three infants you need an educator. And that's huge, right? But it's so important. So definitely there's a staff labor element that drives a lot of business models. There's also food and materials, commercial rent, I mean, depending on where you're sitting in the country, I know for us in Boston, holy cow, the rent that we're paying is just insane. And I think it's good that you mentioned too, I'm sitting on the end of, we're a premium program. So we are definitely charging more intuition than what you're going to see. That said, we are paying our educators a lot more than what they're going to be making at other programs. We cover 75% of the premium for their medical insurance. And we have fantastic coverage because we know that educators get sick working with children. For as much as we try to be clean and wonderful, <laughs> it's just a fact. And so there's this benefits piece too that you want to ask questions about in childcare. Like how are people being compensated and what are the benefits look like? Because it does drive cost. That said, families can't keep up with it. Families cannot continue to pay on a grand scale, the basically a small mortgage to have their child children in childcare. And so it becomes this question of how do we basically 
advocate for ourselves and for our children to get more of a public buy-in because ultimately parents in the workforce is an economic benefit, right? It's not just about us wanting or people wanting to go to work and not caring for their children. There's real like money that's made in communities and in states because parents are working and children benefit a lot too from being in childcare when it's high quality. And some parents, like I know for myself, I would not make a great stay-at-home mom. I love when mothers are stay-at-home mothers. I am so impressed because I know myself well enough to know that that is not for me. And I'm a t I'm an educator. Like, can you imagine? I other kids all day, <laughs> but like my own at home. No, I just know that that wouldn't feel right. And so it's about to trying to help make advocate for affordable options so that families can live their best lives. Ultimately, is what I think we have to aim for. But Oh my gosh. You're right. It's, it's getting a lot. It's expensive for sure. It is expensive, but the, the question begs, how much is your child worth? So right. it resonates with me, your price point and that you recognize that, yeah, your price point is way above your competitors, but that you deliver an incredible service and much deeper than your competitors. That resonates so deeply with me because those same words can be said about TBH. There's a reason that people mm -hmm. pick TBH. And I believe the same thing about Solby. I believe that these are people that really value their child and their child's development. Not that all parents don't, but that these parents have just shifted around their finance to make this work. And so for me, I pay my team much higher than any other doula um, agency. I'm not an agency, but any other, you know, doula in the Boston area pays. And I am treating my clients to monthly massages and acupuncture. And I'm making sure that they are getting the self-care. And if they're not going to do it, I'll just pay for it for you. And it's very comprehensive care, right? I'm, I'm with you from pregnancy and your birth and prenatal all the way until your child is potty trained. So the first few years of life. So I can, I can respect that so, so much. Cool. So one last thing about, you know, what we want to be looking for per se, licenses and certifications. Mm -hmm. What should parents be asking slash looking for about this? Excellent question because it changes by state. It's, we do not have a comprehensive one size or one standard for every, for the country, basically. Um, so depending where you are, know what the licensing requirements are. Uh, you brought up ratios, which is super important. Know that those are being met, right? So that's, know some of those outlines. What are educator requirements? And all of this is available online, right? Like each state has licensing regulations that you can review. They are not fun to read, let me tell you. However, if you would like to be an informed consumer, I do recommend you go through and spend 15 to 20 minutes to orient yourself. Um, there's a couple really common certifications for early ed. You'll see the CDA, which is the Child Development Associate. That's a really great first step for educators. It gives them a very comprehensive knowledge base to work with and start their practice on. Um, and that in many states qualifies educators to be LEAD certified, so they are able to be kind of managing classrooms, which is great. Uh, you'll see also degrees in early childhood. Lots of educators have degrees in other fields and then do other coursework. Um, what other certifications? Um, I think NACI. Yeah. NACI, oh yeah, accreditation, absolutely. So if the program itself is accredited, uh, I know NACI and then family child care too is an option we haven't covered too much, but a lot of children across the states, actually I'd say the majority receive care and family child care. There's a national accrediting body for that as well. Um, so looking at accreditation would be the kind of gold star of quality compared to the licensing, which would be uh, the basic is my understanding. Absolutely. I always recommend that parents look for NACI and for our listeners, that's the National Association of Education of Young Children. And for me, it is kind of that gold star since we have such lax standards in America for child care. Um, NACI somewhat standard, standardizes that. NACI 
Yeah, absolutely. They bring they bring it up a notch for sure. Cool. They're they're putting in. Yep. Some programs though choose not to. So if you're touring, I would ask the question if they're not, see why. I and I just say that because there's a couple of boutique programs in my community that do offer high quality, but have because they're boutique and they're offering something special, don't do accreditation. So it's a good question to ask. Of course, it may be an intentional choice, much like me um, intentionally not certifying for sure. Ask all the questions, parents. Cool, cool, cool beans. I love this conversation. Okay, so we've done a lot of talking about, um, you know, what to look for, what to ask, what to be on the lookout for. How will parents know when they have found the right fit? I feel like it's so cliche, but it's like when I met my husband and I was like, babe, you're it. Like, I want you to be the father of my children. Like, I don't, there was just this like feeling I had about him. And even I'd say any major life decision when we bought our house, I walked into the house and was like, this is our house. We have to figure out how we make it work. Um, there's something that I think will speak to you about what you're experiencing and if there isn't something that's internally kind of pinging you saying this is it go back to what you value and how closely the program matches that right if you i i'm a feeler other people are more analytical in their personality type um and so if you're more on the analytical side i mean really do your pros and cons and do the mental math of what you experienced and what you are looking for and whatever checks the most boxes will probably be your answer. That's honestly my exact advice as well. I always recommend making a list first. I just say like jot down the things that are really important to you um, and then do your tours. And if nothing, you know, really impresses you to the point where you go to bed thinking about it and you wake up thinking about it, and you're like, I got to get my name on that list. Then go back to your list and see which one marks off the most checkbox. Um, the most check boxes for sure. Okay. And finally, what to do when it doesn't work out. So this is something as an educator that was always really frustrating because as a parent, you must understand that it's a delicate dance. As an educator, we are taking care of your child and other children. We are managing paperwork and a classroom structure. We have deadlines and guidelines and, and different things that we are having to meet throughout each day, regulations and rules that we have to do. So it is this delicate dance. Can we talk a little bit about maybe the ladder of command you could go to? So I'll start out. You should always go to your teacher first and just air your concern and say, I've noticed, or I was wondering, or my child told me, or I have a few questions. You know, where do they take it from there? That's so lovely. He <laughs> he, you just outlined power phrases that are actually printed inside of our educator binders in our rooms um, because we coach educators the same way. If something comes up with a parent, just say, hey, I noticed. Do you mind helping me understand? Right? Like, any of those phrases, because the educator wants, at least when I was an educator, I wanted parents to feel like, oh, I left my child with Hannah. Things are okay. I can go to work and I can be at my best self, or I can go do whatever I'm doing, right? And not worry. So always using those phrases, because I think that parents want to feel great with the educators and the educators want parents to feel great with them. Um, but if things just really aren't, if you're not able to reach some type of understanding after talking to the educator, I would ask the director for some help. I mean, I don't think that that's inappropriate. I think reaching out to the director and saying, hey, it seems like I'm having a conflict here. Would you mind helping us facilitate a conversation or maybe it's just a clarification on a policy? There's lots of reasons that misunderstandings happen, especially because we're pitting licensing and some of the philosophical approaches against what families are expecting expecting, right? We don't come from a shared understanding. So it's going to happen. Um, I would say definitely check in with the director. And then if that doesn't go well, and you're not feeling comfortable, definitely 
kind of evaluate the program again and see if it's a good fit still, or maybe you've changed or your thoughts about what you want have changed because we do evolve. And then if that's the case, I think being honest with yourself about that is really important because it might not be, it's never always the 100% the educator and it's never always 100% the parent. <laughs> There's shared responsibility there. Always, always, always there is shared responsibility. Also, Hannah, I love that you point out reevaluating the program. There's no shame in changing programs and it doesn't necessarily no. mean that you made a mistake. So there's a lot of guilt that follows sometimes mm. for first time parents. You don't have to feel guilty for changing childcare. You're simply up leveling to provide a better life for your kid. You're, you're giving them a better eight hours while you are away at work. I mm. see that as a huge strength of you being able to not only admit that you need a change, but put an action behind that. So yeah, so much. Reevaluate. Always reevaluate. I think at the end of each year when it's time to sign your new contract, it's always good to do a check-in. You should never be in a place where you're just automatically autopiloting through life. Um, certainly do a check-in. And each year when you re-sign contracts is a great natural kind of break in things to say, by the way, here's a gentle reminder to check in and see if your child care option is still doing it for you. Cool. So Hannah, you have shared so much information with us and this has been such a heavy episode filled with like amazing content. I know our listeners are going to be listening to it a million times because the questions are just too good. Where can people connect with you if they had questions for you specifically or if they're interested in Solby? Yeah, great. Um, thanks for having me, Hehe. Really having this conversation. I always feel like our conversations are so rich because it's you. Um, and it's just great. If, if listeners, if you've got any questions or you want to learn more about Solby, you can check out our website, solbylearning.com for sure. And then my email is hannah at solbylearning.com and Solby is spelled S-O-L-B as in boy E. So I'm happy to answer all the questions about Solby or about anything we talked about. You guys should certainly reach out to Hannah. She's such a doll. I bet you guys did not know that you were going to get this much stuff from red flags to questions to ask about your educators, their stress levels, their happiness, their retention rate, all the way to philosophies and what to be on the lookout for when you are physically in a space touring it when you're thinking about putting your child there. This has been such an amazing episode. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. It does not go unnoticed. We know that you are very busy. You wear so many hats and take care of so many people. Thank you so much for showing up for us. By showing up for us, you're showing up for you, and I appreciate that. Happy Tuesday, you guys. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Oh, hi there. It's me again. Have you ever thought, gosh, I wish I had a filing cabinet filled with all of the things in Hee Hee's brain? Well, I hear you, and I've heard that a time or two. So I've decided to give everyone a chance to access the TBH approach at their own pace and as hands-on or as hands-off as you like. I'm so excited to share with you the TBH portal. Now you can have access to everything rattling around in my brain and all of the documents and templates that we give to our clients along the journey. You'll even get access to the things rattling around in my team's brain. So what is the TBH portal? It's an online space that you log into and it's separated into more than 17 categories of all the things you would want to know when having a baby and trying to raise that tiny human. I've broken it down into trying to conceive, infertility, each of the trimesters including the fourth trimester, child development, feeding your baby, birth prep, planning for postpartum, and so much more. I even have birth videos on there for you to explore. Matter of fact, I'll link a sample table of contents just for you. It doesn't have all the files, but it's a great glimpse into the TBH portal. So who is this for? Women who are trying to conceive, mamas-to-be, 
newly postpartum parents, and parents of tiny humans up to the age of three years old. That's right, this is the perfect way to dip your toes in and taste the magic of the TBH community for only $22 a month. You get all access to TBH Portal for as long as you need it. If you don't like it, leave. You can literally cancel at any time. No questions asked. You will forever be locked in at this rate, even as the price increases, as long as you stay a member. So what's in the portal? Freebies, videos, downloads, blogs, exclusive interviews with professionals, inside information like special savings codes, brands that I love, first dibs on all events, and the happenings at TBH, plus some behind the scenes. At the beginning of each month, we will be uploading new content for you, and there's always a place for you to put in requests for things that you specifically want to see in the portal. You get all of this before I publish it to the public, plus some of it will never hit public shelves. Did I mention that it was forever as long as you don't cancel? That means you'll be able to use this with future children too. I guess the only question now is why not? You can check out www.tranquilitybyhehe.com slash the TBH portal for more information. I cannot wait to share the TBH approach with you. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.